Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another edition. And I'm really excited today to have Peter. And Peter has three last names. <laughs> and I don't know, Peter, that I can pr- pronounce any of them. How do you pronounce your full name? Okay, so my full name is Peter Kwejo Asarinyako. Yes. Peter, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> But I am glad your first name, I absolutely can do well. Sure, sure. So so good uh, to have you. Why don't you, um, well, well, let let me just say that Peter is the executive director for the uh, Center of Financial Literacy in Africa. And Peter reached out to me and told me a little bit about his work, and I found it really fascinating. So I thought um, um, I would uh, have him on and let everybody get to know the work that he's doing. And you're coming out of, is it Ghana? Yes, Ghana. Okay. And where is Ghana in Africa for those of us that are challenged? Great. So Ghana is in the western part of Africa, so West Africa. And mostly they used to say Ghana is the gateway to Africa. And we are on the Greenwich Meridian time zone, yes. Which is the same time zone for all of you listening as um, England. Yes. yes. Tell us just a little bit about what what uh, your center is all about. Great, thank you, Rick. So Center for Financial Literacy Education Africa is a nonprofit social organization based in Ghana and we develop and promote financial literacy skills in young Africans. And so about eight years ago, I had a conversation with my granddad. That changed my perspective about life. He made all the money you can think of. He was financially rich. But because he couldn't build a strong financial foundation, because he wasn't financially aware and financially literate, after retirement, he went through a lot of financial challenges. So one hot afternoon, he invited me and he shared his story with me. So I said to myself, then I need to take this message to the world. So that was that was the driving force for me getting myself into financial literacy advocacy. And so in 2018, I founded Center for Financial Literacy Education Africa to promote financial literacy in Ghana and across the continent of Africa. And so, so Peter, what, what was it about... What did your grandfather say to you that was that caused this whole change in the direction of your life? Yes. So he said his financial actions and inactions was having a huge impact on his life after he made all the money. And because he couldn't save enough money, because he couldn't invest enough money after retirement, there were no money available. 
he thought social security was going to take care of him. But right after retirement, he found out that social security wasn't enough. And so that was that was the message he shared with me. His financial actions and inactions couldn't help him in his old age. So are you saying, Peter, that uh, he made he made a lot of money in his life, but that he didn't invest it? Yes. And so when when so I'm assuming that with the money that he made that he spent, he spent all of it. Yes. So there were no savings. There were no investment, no retirement planning. And so any money he gets, he 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 blows the money away. And so they, he couldn't build any financial wealth for himself and even for for for. Okay. for Okay, so I can understand how that would be so impactful to to and obviously it was really impactful to you. Yeah. So much yeah. so that not not only I mean a lot of people out of that might have taken it away from it. I'm not going to let this happen to me. But it sounds like yeah. you took it to <laughs> you took it to the whole world. Yes. So 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 after I I I I I heard that message, I said to myself then I need to start planning my finances as a, as an individual. And two, I need to let other people become aware so they don't go through the same mistakes my granddad, my granddad made. So that was the driving force. So I started applying financial literacy skill sets. I started doing things that will help me better plan my finances and to also share this message with the world so they can also plan their finances. So what did you specifically start doing for yourself? Great. So I, 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 I remember I started earning money because one time I asked him, so how do I prevent myself from going through what he went through? And he said, first, you need to earn money because if you don't earn money, you can't save and invest. And yep. so, so the, the first thing is you, you got to have some income. You got to have some yeah. earnings. So I remember when, when I was young, my dad is a farmer. And so anytime he cultivates the land, he will give a portion to me and my siblings. And we will also grow crops. And we will harvest these crops, take it to the market and make some money. And when we make the money, we save this money, mostly in, 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 in piggy banks. So in Ghana, we call it susu boxes. So we put our monies in piggy banks and then mostly we, we, we open our piggy banks in December. So December, when the Christmas festive is coming, my dad will say, go and bring your piggy bank and let's open it. And you realize you have been able to save a quite amount of money. So that was how I, I, I started implementing what my granddad shared with me. How much, uh, what, what percent of what you earned did you put into the piggy bank? I think at, at, at my young age, I was, I was saving almost all the 100% of my income. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So any money I get, I make sure I keep that money in the, in the, in the piggy bank. So I was saving almost 100% of all, all my income. My parents were giving me food. They were giving me shelter. They were paying for my school fees. And so I had no bills to pay. So once I get money, I just put it into my piggy bank and save it. So how did you progress from there? Yeah, so I, 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 I remember I was able to save quite a, a number, quite an amount of money. And so I needed something 
And so my dad would say, once you have been able to save money, use that money to buy what you want. During the Christmas season, we will go to the market and, and, and spend the money that we have been able to save. And so because I was saving, I was able to acquire the things that I, I, I really wanted. Buying my school bags, buying shoes, buying things that, that I really wanted at that young age. So all these things were, 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 were possible through the savings that I was, I was making. And do you remember the, uh, the emotions that you felt about earning and saving that money? I think once you earn your own money, it gives you that sense of fulfillment. You feel like you are in charge. Mm-hmm. If you earn your own money and you save your own money and you use your own money to buy the things you really want, after you have gone through that process, you feel like, yes, I did this myself. And so it gave me that, that, that sense of fulfillment and happiness. And so that, that has been something I grew up, I've, I've been able to grow up with. And so anytime I want something, I tell myself, let me go earn some money. Let me save so I can get what I wanted. So it gave me a sense of fulfillment. It gave me happiness. And I believe anything I want, once I put a plan together, start earning money, start saving, I'll be able to achieve everything that I want. Tell me a little bit more about your progression or your jobs, your career path. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so after, uh, after I had the message from my granddad, I think I was in senior high school. So after senior high school, my dad wanted me to be an IT engineer. So I went to IPMC College of Technology to learn system and network engineering. But deep within me, I, have, I had passion for money. I had passion for counting, math. And so I decided to take an accounting course. So I left the engineering sector, the IT sector, to pursue accounting. And so when I got the accounting degree, that was when I started putting together my colleagues, my other colleagues. We would come together. We would go to the marketplaces. We would go to churches. We would go to the communities to talk to people about financial literacy and the need to plan your finances. In tertiary, I was going to the community. I was going to marketplaces, educating people. And so after, after school, I also took online courses about financial literacy. I currently, I am a certified financial fitness coach. And so in 2018, that was when I set up the Center for Financial Literacy Education to officially embark on promoting financial literacy in Ghana and across Africa. And so it took about four years after I heard the story from my granddad to actually set up the center to, to develop and promote financial literacy skills. Tell me a little bit, how, how do you go about um, bringing this message to the people of Ghana and in Africa? What the movement seeks to do is to unite. We do community engagement. And so we go to various communities to engage people. We go to marketplaces. We go to farming communities. We go, we, 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 we organize artisans, beauticians, and promote or help them develop the skill set for managing their money. We also do online webinars. We go to schools. So we do school outreaches. We go to tertiary schools. We go to senior high schools inculcate the habit of financial literacy in the students. And we also run publications. So we go to media houses, media campaigns. So we go to media houses, TV, radio, newspapers, 
online portals promoting financial literacy and financial awareness. Yeah, so basically that has been our core project. Aside that, in Africa now, we are in 12 African countries. We are in Ghana, wow. we are in Syria, we are in Kenya, we are in Tanzania, we are in South Africa, we are in Lesotho, Somalia, and other Malawi and other, other, other African countries. Our goal is to touch all the 54 African countries and also expand beyond the continent of Africa with our collaboration with the Financial Awareness Foundation. This is a global movement. So we, 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 we want to touch every individual on the, on the face of the earth. Another flagship program is the youth movement. So we believe young people need to hear this message. Young people need to acquire the basic financial literacy skill set. And so we are bringing all young people together. We are creating awareness on social media. We believe now young people are on social media more than any other generation. And so we want to create a buzz where young people across the world will meet and have financial literacy conversations, think about how we can improve our community, improve our, 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 our economy as well. Tell me a story or two of how this has impacted uh, the life of some people. In 2021, we went to one of the marketplaces in, in Accra uh, called Medina Market. And so we engaged about 500 market women. So what we do is we use our FE association on university campuses. We bring their students on board. We train them. We orient them and we equip them with vital skills so they can go into the marketplace and engage the women one-on-one, have a one-on-one conversation with the women. And so we engaged about 500 market women in Medina in April 2021. How long long is this engagement or it's a training course or workshop, right? So we train the volunteers in a 90-minute presentation. After taking them through that 90-minute conversation, we want them to go to the marketplace. We develop a set of questionnaires for them. We develop a set of vital information where they can use to engage the market women. And when we go to the marketplaces, we have a three-hour conversation with the market women. So each volunteer is supposed to engage at least 10 market women within that an hour of three. And so when we went to the marketplace in April, we went back in October to do a follow-up on how the message we shared with them in April is impacting their, their, their life. And the responses were amazing. Someone would be like, initially, I knew nothing about retirement plan. I knew nothing about insurance. But when you came here to engage us, now I have an insurance policy. Now I have a retirement plan in place. Now I'm able to track my income. I'm able to do budgets for, for, for the things that I am, I am into. And so we realized that it is reflecting in their lives. The messages we are sharing with these people is, is, is transforming their life, is transforming their business. And it's also helping them to communicate with their family. So one thing we tell them is maybe in December, you may want to have a family meeting where you assess the financial habits of each of your family member. So let me get this right. You train the volunteers for 90 minutes. Yes. The volunteers went out into the marketplace. And I think yes. you were saying the marketplace women, right? Yes. The volunteers spent about three hours. Is that, did I get that right? Yes. Was that three hours with each person or three hours with a group? 
So the three hours is for the group, but each volunteer is supposed to engage at least 10 people within that three hours. So they spent yeah. three hours with a group of 10, each one of them. Yes. And from that three hours, there was, and that was it. There was no more training or one-on-one -on -one conversations or anything, right? So after that, we take their details and we do follow-up. So we share additional information with them. We do follow-up course. And okay. we also ask them to get in touch in case they are facing some difficulties or they want additional information. So we create that link between the market women and organization. Okay, so there is some contact available going forward. Is yes. that is that kind of as needed or is there is there a structure? Is there a plan of follow-up? It's a plan. So like I said, every year we have two campaign months. And so we try to, once we go to a particular place, let's say in April, we try to follow up in October. But before we go back in October, Within April and October, we try to engage them through phone conversations, emailing them with additional information, getting in touch with them to make sure they are practicing what our volunteers share okay. with them. Okay. Okay. That, now that makes sense. How many more hours do you guess that you have in contact with them between April and October? About four hours. So yes. you've got seven hours into, yes. into the person. Yes. And what percent of those when you come back and visit them in October, what percent have really had a meaningful shift? When we started, I would say it was about 15 to 20 percent. Mm -hmm. That was at the initial stage. A lot of people were not getting the message at the initial stage. But as time goes on from 2021, 2022, 2023, April, I think we had about 40 to 50% impact on the people because now, now. So these would be the same people, the same kind of group of 10. Yes. Multiplied by the number of, of volunteers. So over time, I, I think you're saying about like over a two year period, that went up from 15 to 20% to 40%. Yes. That's pretty significant. So I'm curious of the 60% of the that it didn't impact. I have often said 20% of people can take financial literacy and go, oh, got it. I'll start yeah. doing it. But 80% when they hear the tools but the, and they don't go into action, it's about something deeper and typically about some emotional Sure. Uh, block. Yeah. Now, it sounds like your success rate is pretty good at 40%. But what what do you think about, what are your wonderings, or do you even have a way of addressing the 60% that when they get the knowledge, it just doesn't land? One thing we realized of feedback we got from them was, you know, they have been hit for quite a long time. The financial sector in Ghana has faced a lot of challenges over 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 a couple of years now and so people will tell you i was ready to invest i invested my money with a financial institution and later they ran away with my money yeah. and so i am scared to invest again so that is a challenge financial literacy isn't taught in schools because financial literacy is a taboo topic in most of our homes in ghana people do not grow up with the skill set and so it's a bit difficult 
trying to give them something that it has been denying them for quite a long time. And so we believe it will take a number of years for them to get it again, for them to be able to get rid of what has, has, has affected them. And so one thing I, 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 tell, I tell people is that we can't give up just because a huge number of people are not getting the message. We just need to keep on pushing it, pushing information. Another thing that is preventing us to engage more with them is, is, is financial resources. And so once we get more financial resources, I think we can develop more creative ways to, to, to get these people interested in the money conversation. Because having the money conversation is a bit hard. People refuse to talk about money. And so if you don't make it entertaining, if you don't make it exciting, people will not be willing to, to, to listen to you. Um, when financial literacy is brought to a number of uh, populations in the U.S., that sometimes there's this dynamic if a person starts to break out of the community financially, they start to earn more, they start to invest, um, that sometimes there is um, a tribal response of, you're not part of us anymore. You are being, you're becoming different from us and almost a rejection of that person. So it, it, it was a bit challenging at the beginning because financial literacy was more like a foreign topic, something new. And so when we started engaging people on financial literacy conversations, the rejections was massive. People didn't want to receive the message. People thought, what are these guys doing? What are they up to? And so the, the, the notion and the intention behind what people were, 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 were thinking was, 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 was very challenging for us. And at a point, I, I, I wanted to give up. <laughs> yes, even your own family, they, why do you want to talk to us about money? We already, we already make our money. We're already surviving. But then as time goes on, when we unveil the whole concept of financial literacy and what a comprehensive financial plan is all about, people realize, oh, there's more to this. And so we need to set up and learn the essential principles so we can apply it in our life. So yes, we, 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 we face a lot of challenge, a lot of rejection. People didn't believe in it, but as we keep pushing, people realize this was something that they needed in their lives. Interesting. You you talked about uh, the people that saved and with a financial institution, they took their money. Do you have places that um, you can send people to? That I mean, do you have resources of where to invest the money that, that are safe, that are legitimate? Yeah, so what we do is we, we have strategic partners. And as a center, we are trying to help people avoid most of the mistakes. And so we do our own research. We make sure all the guidelines you need before you invest, we make it available to them for them to take their own decisions. And so we don't recommend specific investment houses, but we give them the guidelines before you invest. What are some of the things you need to look out for? If the financial institution makes sure they have the central bank's lances, Bank of Ghana lances, look at their leadership. 
look at their financial records. And so we we we, we try to share these principles with the with the with the people. So once they go to the investment house, they know, okay, let me look at it, let me look at it. So they know all the pointers they need to look at before they make that decision. And we also have some strategic partners who we believe and we work with them. So these are ways we are making sure people avoid the mistakes of, of losing their money. What else would be important um, for people to know about your center going forward? Great. And thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to talk about my organization and what we are doing to, to, to help promote financial literacy. So at Center for Financial Literacy Education, we are building an Africa in which all people are financially aware and financially literate. We want to empower young Africans. And so we are expanding to other African countries. Like I said, we are in 12 African countries now. And so if you're, if you're an organization and you want to partner with us in your country, you can go on our website. You can check us out on social media, Center for Financial Literacy Education Africa. And let's connect because I believe there is power in collaboration. I've seen a lot of organizations doing individual activities, but I believe once we all join forces together, we can expand really faster and, and touch a whole lot of people. So I'm calling for collaborations. I'm calling for partnerships. That will be my first point. The second point I'll make is the youth movement is creating a buzz around young people and money conversations. And so we we had our maiden edition in Tanzania. We are looking at having our maiden second edition in 2024. And so we also call on organizations to come on board and support the youth movement. If you're a young person watching this, you may want to get in touch with us so we can all move together to promote financial literacy. And the last thing I'll say is we need resources to be able to scale our activities. We are a nonprofit organization and your support, your help will help us accelerate the activities that we are doing. We want to touch a whole lot of people. And so we are calling on grant giving organizations, philanthropists to come on board so we can promote financial literacy. I believe a financially literate society is necessary to survive the global economic crisis and ensure stable economic growth. Well, thank you very much. Uh, uh, a friend of mine once said that Money skills are a 21st century survival skill, and you are absolutely addressing that. So, so thank you so much, Peter, for spending this time with us, and I am wishing you much success, and hopefully you'll find some uh, new partners. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.